All right. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the entertainment podcast where we talk sports, music, TV, film, literature, and more. And we make silly comparisons. HBO shows to cereals and dancers to seafood dishes and all sorts of wacky stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleinman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Payton, Melvin Gordon III. Take it away, George. Thank you, Dave. Dave, you're getting better at this every week. So <laughs> I'm hoping by like season three, just as like, uh, it's George. <laughs> yeah, the season three that will never come because we're in a perpetual season one. The, the lost season. <laughs> the lost season is what I would like to call awesome. The last dance. Shout out. Anyway, Dave, this week we've got Grammy Award winner and celebrated stage and screen actor Will Rowland. And we're going to talk about musicals and cocktails, two things that we both enjoy. But before we get to all that, how are you doing? Great. I'm doing great. <laughs> um, I'm doing all right. This morning, I went to take the, the dog out for his morning walk. And as we're getting downstairs, I realized that it was alternate side parking, <laughs> um, which is the thing that we do in New York City for street sweeping. One side of the street can't park on. And I was like 10 minutes late, left the dog downstairs real quick, ran upstairs, got the car key, took him with me and double parked. And it was fine. But every time it reminds me how silly it is. It's for street sweeping. The vehicle comes by and it sweeps the street. You've seen them do that, right? No, I'm just kidding. I know I've seen it. <laughs> it doesn't actually do anything. It just pushes garbage and like detritus and shit off the curb, basically. Yeah, and so it's just like a way to get money for the city. And yeah, abolish street sweeping. <laughs> <laughs> that was the epiphany I had this morning. Uh, George, how, uh, how are you doing, man? Doing good. I'm, uh, for our listeners, uh, I am currently wearing a Mets hat, a team I know nothing about. And uh, I just watched an hour and a half of the four-hour documentary about the uh, the Mets from the 80s. And I'm seeing a Mets game later. So come at me, guys. If you want to talk Mets stuff, I'm just going to be like 86, right? Am I right? And I'm just going to keep it moving. <laughs> so I'm learning a lot about the Mets in a, in a few short hours before I see the Mets, Mets and Cardinals this evening. <laughs> Fun times. Illmatic, shout out. Yeah, Illmatic, shout out. New York City in the 80s. Wow, sounds wild. <laughs> yeah that Mets team Oof, boy yeah that was a good time all right George what do you say we go to the bar absolutely what's on tap today is we're gonna be talking about reopenings for bartenders and uh how Dave and I have been uh working through that the second thing that's on tap we're gonna talk about the Matrix uh new trailer for the Matrix 4 which I think is called Matrix Resurrection that dropped this past week finally we're gonna say goodbye to two of our favorite people Norm Macdonald and Michael K. Williams Dave, let's go ahead and like just talk about um, your, your experiences with reopening from a, a bartender's perspective. So how's that been for you? Okay, so as everybody knows, or as a lot of our listeners probably know, New York City has a vaccination mandate for restaurants and bars and theaters and all sorts of venues where you have to show proof of vaccination. We just passed the date where the inspectors are going to be sent out and you're going to have to show like your steps and your process and how, how you're doing everything, you know, and be subject to fines and shutdowns. That's what, how I am looking at it. And many of my colleagues and people in the service are looking at it as like, you know, I think it is a good thing that we're doing it. I mean, I don't know good, but necessary because of the the state that we are in with the Delta variant and, and the vaccination level and everything. But, you know, when they announced this, the second part of it that they didn't announce was like, hey, here's every establishment gets a bouncer or a door person, you know, which like isn't going to happen. And so it's like, 
you know, I'll, I'll be honest, a couple of times I've had to run like a hundred feet from by the bar, like, because mm-hmm. nobody else can get to the door. It's, it, it's going okay. I mean, I think that people are getting used to it. I haven't dealt with a ton of bullshit from people complaining about it, although like a little bit, you know, which is just probably going to happen. But how has it been for you, George? How are you guys running it over there? And how is it? everything is going smoothly well it's it's oddly enough it is like in a, and everybody knows it's not my favorite thing in the world to sort of start off a conversation with that sort of like and i'm trying to figure out what i should say to say to people as they walk in and uh, what i've come up with is like hey how's it going you know what i want to see from y'all right <laughs> nice and i feel like i got some working last night when i was bartending somebody goes there was like these two guys and one guy was bald the other guy had like gray hair and he just, one of them goes, is like, ID? And I was like, come on, dude. He's like, oh, right, right, right. So, so I'm trying to like make it, make it, make it fun for myself. Yeah. And that, that's what I've come up with on Fridays and Saturdays. We've, uh, we actually have a guy like checking that, checking that whole thing. And that actually takes a way of pressure from us because those are the two busiest days for, for, for us as like a bartending. And a lot of bars that I've been to, and I go to a lot of bars, shout out to bars. <laughs> I go to a lot of bars. Uh, a lot of the bars that I've been to, they actually had like a person as well. So the gutter will usually have like a guy up front, and so my local hangs will have like the bartender. But I mean, I go to a lot of the same places. So they all kind of know me. But it's uh, it's it seems to be working, and I haven't had any problems, um, uh, which is knock on wood, because I've heard some horror stories from folks, and I'm just like, Oof. so. Yeah, I've had a couple of people being like, "This is America." It is. Yeah. Good point. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you're also in New York city and you have to do this if you want to go anywhere. So, and also like, I didn't decide this. So. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I do that, that I do, and I have enjoyed, I get a bit of a, an advantage because now I know your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I hate when people know my name and I, and I don't, I haven't given it to them. I was like, now I, I've got your name. It was like, Oh, thanks. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Angela. <laughs> it's that leverage that, like, people oh yeah, oh, yeah. And I've been wanting to get leverage as yeah. a bartender for eleven years. <laughs> I know your name. Yeah, I mean, the real leverage is you control the alcohol. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, yes, I I understand. Yeah, yeah. So just like I would say for everything else uh, in the industry over the last like two years, it's a mixed bag. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to keep working at it. Yeah. Today, let's move a little like to something we're both kind of excited about. And uh, that is the new Matrix trailer I have watched uh, several times. I've actually never been a big Jefferson Airplane fan. I do like the song White Rabbit. And White Rabbit in the trailer totally, totally works. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean... Jefferson Airplane is made for like movie trailers <laughs> or like yeah. scene, right. scenes of things, you know, like it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. White Rabbit volunteers. So it's like, it's totally, totally. work for trailers. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. The trailer looks awesome. Everything I've kind of read and, and uh, consumed about it over the last like six months or whatever has me super excited. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in it. And I read something with him. He was really pumped about it because Lana Wachowski, he was like, she's in full control. She's doing her thing, which if you know, like a little bit of backstory, the Wachowski sisters, uh, Lily and Lana, they did not have, they, they, they did not have final say over like what happened in the first one with the script and, and how it was, how it was uh, made. And there were some choices that like they got stopped from that now 
it looks like they're getting to express. So that's pretty cool. That has me excited. A um, lot of ideas. Like there's a lot of ideas going on. So yeah, it looks really cool. And I mean, who doesn't love Keanu? And uh, what's the guy, what is the actor's name who is playing uh, Morpheus? Uh, I don't know, but he's from, uh, he's from a lot of. Lawrence Fishburne. No, no, no. Not in the originals, in the new one. It's the guy from. <gasps> Oh, Lawrence Fishburne is not in the new Matrix. Oh, no. No. I did not know this. And I looked it up. I guess he had a quote uh, from a couple months ago. And they asked him, was like, so you're not in the new Matrix. And he's like, no, but he's like, uh, I wish him the best. He's like, he could have gone scorched earth. So shout out to Lawrence Fishburne for taking a high road. He's like, I wish him the best. I'm just not in it. So he, seems, he cool. seems great. He I'm does. He, does. he seems like a really nice guy. It's the guy from the Watchmen HBO series, and uh, he's in Us too, I believe. He is in Us, yeah. Um, he's very. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm banking on his name, but he's very, very good. I think he's uh, in Candyman. Oh yeah, well. he is. He is. And he's also in uh, Aquaman. He is a handsome dude. Like what the fuck? Yes. He's like really good looking. Yes, <laughs> he's very good looking. Lawrence so, Fishburne probably like I was like that's the dude that gets to play me now. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I guess I lost. <laughs> I'll take the L, which is totally fine. Wow. Yahya Abdul Mateen, I believe. Is that how you uh, pronounce that? The, the second, it appears. Let's oh, not I'm sorry. Yahya Abdul Mateen, the second. That's great. Awesome. Thank you, Mary Bess. Yeah, so I'm excited. George, any other thoughts about it? No, I think they're, uh, I think it comes out in December, and that's one of those movies I'm like, I'm going to see that Thursday. You know what I mean? Like a Thursday at nine. It's like the movie Friday. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to see it Thursday. No, I, I, I'm I'm excited. I, 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 of course, just like everybody else who's a fan of the the Matrix trilogy, the second and third ones are great. But I still saw them. So, and just like this, I'm not going to be completely turned off by those other two movies. And I enjoyed the Matrix. I was like 18 or 19 when the original came out, and here we are, 20 something years later, and I'm still going to watch it. So, so yeah, no, I'm looking oh. forward to it. That trailer looked awesome. The first one holds up really good. I think I haven't watched the third one in a long time, but like the second one, there's like a lot of ideas. There's a lot of ideas going around. Like it doesn't maybe exactly come together. And like I said, like there was some battles that they fought that they didn't win. So maybe that, that has something to do with it, but I'm yeah, it looks great. And you know, anytime we get to see Keanu, like take a long pause and like, think about something and just be like, I know Kung Fu. (laughs) <laughs> or, or or something like that it's gonna be great um all right moving on what's next on tap george finally we're gonna say our goodbyes to uh norm mcdonald and uh, michael k williams i guess i'll start off with this norm mcdonald you do see a lot of people a lot of comedians a lot of my friends who either work with them or enjoyed them as much as i did for me he is on my mount rushmore of comics he is your favorite comics favorite comic and that's probably the best thing i could ever say about norm mcdonald and aside from just being just insanely funny, uh, rumor has it he was like ridiculously nice. And he is a favorite of David Letterman, one of my heroes, Norm MacDonald. And he was just like a tremendous guest on 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 shows. So if you uh if you're making rounds on the inter- on the interwebs, uh, try to land on Norm MacDonald and uh, Courtney Thorne Smith on the uh, on Conan, I think in the like 1990, so, 1995, I think it was. So funny, so. Chairman of the board. Chairman on the board. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That his appearances, you're right. And like his stuff on Letterman, like Google uh Scrabble story. He tells mm-hmm. a story about staying at Airbnb. His timing and cadence, like 
you know, I watched that clip of him from like a roast of Bob Saget and he spends like 10 minutes just like destroying the entire like dais. But like, he's also really nice when he does it. And there are some jokes that like none of nobody in the audience is laughing, but everyone on stage is, is like dying. And like, they're all, and like, you can tell that's what he was going for. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, there's a story of him like doing a uh, a benefit for teachers in which he does twenty minutes of jokes about about teachers, like making fun of teachers. And, and half the other is like, "What the fuck?" And the other half is like, "This is incredible." <laughs> and also, he was like obsessed with one particular subject matter that he never let go. That uh, you guys may have in common, which is uh, uh, OJ Simpson content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He like mercy like he was so fucking fearless like he he made oj jokes at like the espies and shit yeah. it was just like yeah you'd be like he's oh, like no. he, was, he was he was like whether or not he was doing like long form or just even like short jokes he was definitely a master of his craft a joke that i loved he's like i was somewhere i had to show some id and i started thinking of like uh it was like id is like a weird like abbreviation because i is short for i and d is short for identification I feel like he was doing the heavy lifting on that. He's like, what? His like weird non sequitur, like deadpan one liners is like he, yeah, he had a signature style and he would definitely be, be very missed. Yeah. So rest in powers, Norm McDonald, you were one of the best to ever do it. Uh, Dave was like, I want you to go in and like uh, have your thoughts about Michael K. Williams because we also lost him as well. Yeah, um, Michael Kenneth Williams, the great actor, of course, played Omar on The Wire, played Chalky White on uh, Boardwalk Empire, was in The Night Of, and uh, recently in, in uh, Lovecraft Country. Just just a really phenomenal actor. Um, and if you've ever seen any interviews with him, he's just like really, really thoughtful and just an interesting, introspective guy. Clearly had some demons, um, you know, but really was like a a thoughtful person and i i knew like a bunch of people that kind of knew him he he's from flatbush and he lived in williamsburg for like a very long time and I, I knew a set decorator who lived on the same block as him and like worked with him and they were like really good friends and she just had like the nicest things to say and like you kind of know when it when like talent and at what the, this is what they call actors um on a set uh are friends with like the below the line people and like the crafts people and stuff like that says a lot about the person. Uh, I just, I, I've already said a bunch, but I just want to share really quickly what Riz Ahmed said, which is uh, uh, they were co-stars on the, on the night of, and this is what he uh, tweeted out. Rest in peace, MKW, rare talent, unique soul, so generous, humble, badass, and so unapologetically yourself. Thank you for the art you gave us and all you taught me. Tough week shooting the night of. He's told he has the afternoon off, but not me. I'd rather stay in my trailer and I see he spent time the time off buying me the nicest and probably still most expensive jacket I own just to give me a boost and show love. Another time I go to his apartment to rehearse. I'm analyzing the hell out of the scenes. He tells me, stop thinking about it. Try dreaming about it. <laughs> Took me years to even understand. He brought heart to the art. I just, uh, I thought that was really nice. They shared, you know, a bond together. Um, Riz Ahmed, very well spoken. But yeah, man, we lost uh, another great one. George, what uh, you want to share some thoughts about, you know, some memorable performances and whatnot? Just, just a real quick one. I'm not really sure who said it, but there's like, um, it's like 
one of one of his his many gifts was being able to to sort of like I guess humanize these just sort of reprehensible characters. And Omar and Chalky were definitely bad bad people, but he the way his portrayal of them was like it made them. I don't know. It's like I don't know if interesting as a word, but it just was like he was so good at just making these these people seem bad. It was like it's like something that you would you know care about and how they ended. And uh, the way that he dies, uh, I guess Omar and the Wire, is almost sort of like as like a footnote in like the, the life of that character. It's just like he dies, just like just matter of factly, just just gets killed. And that was it. And for us, it's like we were watching that character over the course of five years and uh, how the Wire had be- had just gotten so much life and how he's like. Everybody who's watched that show, he's one of their favorite characters. And for me, the exception of maybe like a, maybe Tony Soprano or a couple other people in the history of HBO's TV shows, he's probably the best character that has ever been written from any show on, or any series on that on that network. So and that says something about the power that he had. I mean, he's known for that that scar that he got in a bar fight in the in the I guess in the late '80s, early '90s, but. He's, he was he was sort of the way he was able to sort of disappear in the, these these characters, whether it was from Lovecraft or The Night of or uh, The Wire. Uh, he oddly enough, he's in I think he's in a movie called Triple Nine, which isn't a great movie, but he's like he's in drag the whole time. But uh, but he's just he was just great. So so uh, rest in power, Norm Macdonald, and of course Michael K. Williams. Yeah, right. Just to finish the last thought based on what you just said uh i read an article that um said like he never half-assed a role he, mm-hmm. no matter what the role was he he brought out to it yes they will both be missed um all right george i think that is a good place to end bar talk what do you say absolutely let's all go right. talk to will so we got will Rowland, and we're gonna be talking about uh music musicals and cocktails let's go all right here we go I got I got caught in that huge storm last week. I was seeing the invited dress of Hades Town, um, and I got out of the show. And I, you know, like I went there and I was like, "Oh, it's raining!" Like you know, whatever. But uh, I got out and it was like, "Oh yeah, no, the trains aren't running. There's no way home." Uh, I spent like an hour and a half trying to call an Uber. I was like this close to being like, "I'm just gonna get a hotel room in Manhattan because I'm not. I don't know how I'm getting over the river." Um, but then I got an Uber. It took 90 minutes to get an Uber. It took him 20 minutes to get to me. And then it cost a hundred and fifty dollars. So thrilling, thrilling stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Well, it was either that or uh, swim through the five feet of the subway uh, station, the five yeah, feet of water. It was in the unbelievable. <laughs> and I mean, we had you know, um, we had folks working on billions who they were they were shooting that night, and they got like we had one guy who truly like was in his car. I think he was on the BQE and like it filled up with water and he had to like climb out the window of his car. Like it was true. And that's like how someone died. I mean, it's really like, it's that's absolutely, intense. yeah, it's crazy stuff, but, yeah. but we're all here. We're all safe. That's good. Uh, yeah. Well, how was the Hades town dress? I'll ask. It <laughs> <laughs> was great. It's a great show. Yay. It was great. Yeah, no, I, I had actually seen it. Um, I saw it in London before it came to Broadway. Um, and then I saw it early on in its Broadway run. So it was actually my third time. Uh, and it holds up. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. I haven't seen it myself, but. Uh... Well, this fall is a great time to take in a Broadway show. Lord knows the shows could use those local audiences and it's not going to be tourists like we've had. So, so, you know, get yourself a ticket. I'm going to go see Chicago next week. Very nice. Which I've, I've never seen. It's nice. been on Broadway for 24 years and I've never seen this production. So gonna go see chicago very cool yeah that's like a good place to kind of get into 
into it in general, uh, talking about theater, something that you were active in, you know, it is coming back right now, but were you, were you in a cast, uh, when, when coronavirus kind of hit in this country and, and everything started to shut down and, um, yeah, I, uh, I was on, uh, well, I'm, I'm working on this show billions on Showtime. Uh, and so we were actually filming, like I was on set when the news broke that like the NBA was shutting down and like Tom Hanks had gotten COVID. Like we were, we were like on set that night. Um, and then it was the next day we were supposed to go away for a week anyway. It was like, you know, March 15th or whatever. We were supposed to take a, a mid season hiatus. Uh, and our producer was like, you know, let's take an extra week. Seems like this virus thing is going to be around. Um, and so we ended up taking uh, an entire year off. Um, and we went back in the, in the beginning of March. Uh, and then, uh, and we've been back filming seasons, uh, seasons five and season six of billions, which is very exciting, which just started airing this week. So that was what I've been up to. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of the show, as you know, from, uh, you yeah. and I talking. Soder is a friend of mine. I uh, love me some oh, Dan yeah. Soder. Um, the Brian Cockleman and David Levine, they wrote in one of my favorite movies of the 90s, which is Rounders. Yes. They have such a unique voice when they're writing. And every time when you're like reading their scripts and going, what the hell are these guys talking about? Because it's so reference heavy. Yeah, they love, um, they, they absolutely love, uh, yeah, putting in, mo- it's mostly film references. Sometimes it's TV, sometimes it's novels, but like they love their film references. And you know, like on set, we have like, we have like basically study groups going because like only, only Brian and David have seen all of these movies and so it's a lot of like hey like you know there's this reference in here and like this is from this right and it means that and like <laughs> blah, blah blah you know they there was a whole thing we were going on and on about about miles davis once and bitches brew there was like a really complicated <laughs> reference to bitches brew in this script and it was like we we're all sitting around like oh well, like we know it's that but like is it also a pun and like is it this and that yeah we're doing that all the time and then in the episode that just aired this week there was like a very funny joke where they make a reference to uh to the movie heat and they're like talking about gambling mm-hmm. and like the one character's like uh i don't get it and, <laughs> and uh wags david Cospel's character says you should see heat because it's on my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like that. That's like us yeah. all day at work. Yeah, that's like they're literally having the conversation to, with you of like, you should see this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. So we started this podcast so the two of the talk to to sort of creative types and give give gives an opportunity to sort of like stretch our legs out as far as like just just to do something because we weren't able to do anything this past year. So why don't you give us an idea of what this past year and a half was like? For you and your wife Stephanie, um, you know it's been uh, well. She's not my wife yet, unfortunately. One of one of the one of the wrinkles of the pandemic was we had to postpone our wedding. Um, we were supposed to get married in May of 2020. We are now getting married in June of 2022 um, because you know we we sort of the the biggest thing was the postponement of the wedding. You know, it's been like how far do we kick it down the road? And like we probably could have done it this summer, but you know we didn't want anyone to not attend because they were feeling unsafe or uncertain. And we really didn't want to like cut the guest list back if we could help it. So a lot of it was about like, how far do we have to go to like do the thing that we want to do? Um, but yeah, I mean, we have been, uh, you know, I, I, I live in Brooklyn. I live in Park Slope. Um, and we were here pretty much the whole time. Uh, we, we had some, you know, some, some trips here and there. Actually, I did fly a couple times during the pandemic. Um, I guess we're still during the pandemic, but like during during the heat of it, 
uh, you know, we, we took some flights. Uh, all my in-laws are out uh, in the Twin Cities and my immediate family is all out on Long Island. So we, you know, we traveled a bit to see them. But but yeah, we were here. Um, and obviously there's been no theater and there was no film. Produ- and there's been, you know, there has been some film and television production, but not my show. Uh, so I've been also trying to create opportunities for myself. Um, I've done a lot of stuff with... Uh, these two fellas who uh, I did Dear Evan Hansen with, uh, this this young man, uh, Andrew Barth Feldman, who was playing Evan Hansen right before the pandemic, uh, and this fella, on Alex Boniello, who was also in it with me. Um, and we've been doing a ton of streaming stuff. It started out early on. We were just playing like uh, games of Jackbox uh, on stream uh, with a bunch of Broadway folks. And then we turned that into uh, a fundraising uh, vehicle. Um, we raised uh, over the course of the pandemic, we raised over $100,000 for a variety of charities, uh, including uh, the Actors Fund, the National Chapter of Black Lives Matter, a group called I Need Diverse Games, uh, and uh, Feeding America. Those were the, those were the big the big four. Um, but yeah, I put a bunch of stuff together with those guys, a lot of streaming content. Um, I bought a new camera. Uh, so that I, uh, so that I could look crystal clear in those opportunities. Looks great. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's been about, you know, how, how do we take the stuff that we like to do and, you know, how do we sort of boil down? Like we all know, like we love making theater. We love working on film and TV, but like, what is it about that, that we love and how much of that can we sort of translate to the smallest screen? So that, that's sort of what birthed all the, all the stuff that we've been doing. That's very cool. Well, I'll ask you, is that um, are those fundraising efforts ongoing? Is that something that listeners can tune into right now or? You know, unfortunately, a lot. Well, not unfortunately, but a lot of that stuff sort of grew out of uh, a lack of stuff going on for us during the pandemic. And so with the return of theater and with Andrew going off to college, um, wow. who is really our, our main producer, um, we have we have really sort of slowed down, but we are cooking up some some follow-up projects to those things that hopefully folks will be able to enjoy uh, in the near future. So we'll see. Will those announcements come on your social media or is there a place for us to find those? They they are not announced yet. I definitely, I th- hopefully you will hear about them. I'll certainly be tweeting about them because I'm very excited about some of the stuff that we're working on. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't actually know when it's going to be announced, but I know it's going to be good. Awesome. <laughs> we'll keep our eyes open. That's That sounds wonderful. That's very cool. Yeah, I, and so I'm, I imagine you are very excited about the return of, of theater, uh, but I'm sure it also comes with, you know, a lot of a lot of thought of thought process of how it was before and what like if you could share some things that you'd like to see return and some things that maybe you'd like to see change. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I mean, I, I having already sat in an audience and look, looking forward to sitting in more. Um, I'm I'm excited for that that connection. I think there's something really special about being in a room together, big rooms and small rooms, and nice rooms and shitty rooms. Like it's just gathering in the room is a very special and holy and incredible thing. You know, theater is a lot like, uh, you know, certain forms of worship that people are into. Like, it's a similar kind of vibe. We gather, we do a sort of collective ritual, um, and, and you know, we all get something different. We all participate in the ritual differently, and we get something differently out of it. So I'm looking forward to those sorts of communal spaces coming back, sort of firing on all cylinders. Um, I do think that, you know, a, a, a lot of the discussions we've had around uh, around racial justice and other forms of discrimination in America last year have also entered the conversation in theater. So I'm hopeful 
uh, that the conver- that we can see an integration of some of those conversations beyond just casting. Um, I think that a lot of times uh, a whole lot of rich white people put a show together and then they hire some actors of color and put them on stage and they're like, okay, we did it. Um, and I think especially um, backstage and behind the camera, there are a lot of opportunities that are, uh, for lack of a better word, granted through nepotism. Um, and I hope that an industry that I hope the industry can can become a little bit more egalitarian and uh, provide opportunities outside of what have been the traditional channels moving forward. Um, and I also I, I hope that this this period uh, sort of encourages producers to take more risks. I hope that the sort of ideas that came out of the pandemic, I hope that we're more open to, you know, seeing how huge the success of uh, the film's production of Hamilton was. I hope that like producers are more open to creating opportunities like that i've been saying for many many years like just because you can go buy a beyonce album uh it doesn't mean that you don't want to go see beyonce when she comes to town um and for some reason in in theater and in a lot of live performance like the logic is reversed like oh if you give it away nobody's ever gonna want to buy it and it's like well you can't give away like the experience in the theater you can put it on netflix and you know and people will still be excited to come to the theater and see it so i hope that we see more new media and more new ideas like that uh you know kicking around because i think there's a lot that can be done to get theater to more people um i mean i feel like people would more people would probably even see the show if there is this film representation and stuff because the people don't even know you know that's so much you're opening up so much more so that is interesting yeah you are a New Yorker. Um, um, whenever we have guests on, we try to do as much research as we can. And uh, I found out that you went to NYU, musical theater. What were some of the musicals that you enjoyed watching that led you on that path? Oh, man. Um, my first my first Broadway musical, uh, I saw the original production of Cats. Um, and then in, in a, f- a few months after, you know, I was, I was in fourth grade. Um, we went to go see, we went to go see the original production of Saturday Night Fever at the Minskoff Theater. Um, and, uh, those were both, uh, like, I just, I loved those shows. Um, and I learned like every word of Cats growing up. Uh, and I just like, I, I fell in love with like that initially. And then in high school, I got into like a really sort of like brooding, like, oh, those those musicals are they're they're lame, they're spectacle. I want like meaty art. And I was like really into uh that revival of Sweeney Todd with Michael Service and Patty Lapone. I saw that three times uh when I was in high school. And uh I, I think that in my, you know, in as as I sort of was in college and really studying musicals, uh I really got a ton of the classics in my in my my education. I mean, I I know all the Rodgers and Hammerstein shows, the Lerner and Lowe shows, the, you know, the Bach and Harnick shows, like all those golden age shows. I know every word to every song. Um, And I think that gave me a real appreciation for like a certain kind of lyric craft and a certain kind of text. I mean, I love, I love Cole Porter. I love, uh, I love Kurt Vile. I love like, uh, I, I love, uh, oh my God, my, Noel Coward, you know, these, these lyricists who would do this absolutely insane wordplay. Um, and so I really admire that in contemporary writing, which is like most of what I have worked on uh, since graduating. And, you know, I still have a lot of appreciation for My Fair Lady and Carousel in Oklahoma, uh, but I don't, 
I, like at this moment in my life, I'm not like really excited about like doing one of those shows so much as I'm excited about developing new work. I love working with writers. I love working with directors. It's like my absolute favorite thing. Um, so, and, and I'm like especially turned on by folks who like incorporate that very like old school method of construction with contemporary sounds and contemporary topics. And that uh, that's like that's what gets me going. It's cool because, like, on the segue, new like the next thing, the last thing I think you were in was uh, was be more chill, which pretty much hits all those things. So, which tell our listeners about that and the role uh, Jeremy here that you play in that in that musical? Yeah, um, be more chill uh, is a is a, uh, a, a, a I'm trying to what's what's the genre? It's like it's a a maximalist Technicolor pop extravaganza is how the composer <laughs> once, once described it. It's um yeah, it's a it's a musical about uh, a high school junior named Jeremy here who I played, um, and he's a kid who's having uh, just like a really shitty time in school and in life. Uh, he's got um he's like he's in love with this girl that he doesn't even know, which is like my favorite like terrible trope in like film and TV and everything. It's like, Oh, he doesn't even know this girl. How could he love her? But he pines so desperately for her. He's got like this one friend who, who is really his best friend and, and, and his only friend. And basically what he, he finds out uh, through this, this bully kid that there is this pill that he can take that is a supercomputer that will implant in his brain and instruct him how to, be more chill so that he can become popular and get the girl and get everything that he wants. And it turns into this sort of Faust story where, you know, he makes this deal with the devil and it eventually gets out of hand. Uh, it has a lot of echoes of um, a little shop of horrors in it. Uh, it's very much that kind of show. Um, and I, I, we had a total blast doing it and, and, you know, I was very lucky because the guy who wrote the, the music and the lyrics is a very good friend of mine, a fellow named Joe Iconis, who, I met when I was at NYU. We've known each other for, for years and years and years. Um, he gave me my first professional musical theater job uh, in a show called The Black Suits. Um, and, and so I got to work with Joe. I got to be the, the sort of leading man in his musical, which was really, really exciting. Um, and the show itself had a run uh, in New Jersey in 2015 at a, a tiny theater called Two River Theater. It's like a you know 300-seat theater, ran for four weeks. Um, and it was, you know, it, was, it went like you would expect, like it was that uh, a few people saw it. Most of the people liked it, but it was a tiny theater in New Jersey. It got a bad write up in the New York Times. And like, that was it. Um, but they had someone had the the brilliant idea to be like, you know, this show, we feel like it's special enough that we should make a cast album. And so they recorded this cast album and this cast album released to sort of like, you know, relatively little fanfare in, in the fall of 2015. It was like, OK, great. You made more chill album. We had an album release party. There were dozens of us there. It was fun. Uh, you know, and then, and then that we all sort of forgot about it and said, like, oh, that was fun. That was, you know, kind of sad that more didn't happen with that show. Um, and then a full year and a half later, out of nowhere, with no engineering from a marketing firm or anything, um, the album legitimately went viral through like word of mouth on Tumblr and Instagram, mostly among uh, teenagers and 20 somethings. Uh, there was a very genuine grassroots groundswell love for this show. We're talking like hundreds of millions of Spotify streams. Uh, and that was enough momentum uh, to sort of pique the interest of a Broadway producer who said, yeah, we'll give this a shot. We'll see how it goes. Um, and we, we did it off Broadway and then later on Broadway. Um, and we ran for, for six months on Broadway. And we closed in, uh, in August of 2019. So 
feels like a long time ago, but it also, I guess, wasn't that long ago. Yeah, well, this last two years was like 10 years, so. <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah. Okay, so that's really interesting. So you, you're you from New York. You developed this love of theater. You saw Broadway. Was there, did you always also want to act on screen? You know, because like to me, it's a very different type of acting. Mm-hmm. So is that something that like later on you developed or? You know, it's a thing that I think I, I, I mean, I've always sort of enjoyed films and television. Uh, it's not a thing that I ever really thought much about doing until the opportunities started to present themselves. Um, and I'm, I'm really lucky working on Billions because the way that I came to the show was Brian Koppelman and David Levine, who we were talking about before. They came to see Dear Evan Hansen. Um, and they were really into me and they gave me, I'd had like a few, I'd been, I'd had, I'd been on like, I was on like a few seconds of that show, the mysteries of Laura. And I had like one day where I was filming unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but I had not had like real opportunities to like work on a show and get to know people and get to understand how a set works. You know, a lot of people will do like, you know, they'll do student films in college and they'll produce stuff themselves and they'll, they'll gain a sort of working understanding of the vernacular of a set. And I never had that opportunity. And so I always sort of felt like, Oh, I, I book these things and like, yeah, it's a lot of money, but it makes me feel really bad sometimes. And so I don't know if I really want to do this. Um, and so billions was, has been an incredible opportunity for me because a, the show is just full of theater people. Um, you know, they love, like, these guys truly love, like, going to the theater and being like, that person's incredible. Let's put him on the show. Um, and, and so it's a really good hang, and it's been, it's been a really wonderful learning opportunity for me to understand what is different about the two types of performing and what is not different. I think that I had really sort of, like, skewed ideas about how you have to modulate your performance, and I look at, like, audition tapes that I sent in, like, as recently as, like, two years ago. And I'm like, oh, this is awful. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I will, someone like told me one time, like, it needs to be smaller. And like, I just <laughs> took that and, and, and like, ruined, like, I ruined everything yeah. that I'm like good at because like someone gave me some weird piece of feedback once. Um, and so I, 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 so to answer the, the question, I did not used to have much interest in doing film and television because I had a bad idea of like what it is and what it could be. Um, and nowadays I'm, I'm, into it i'm like i'm here to create i have the same attitude about it that i do about theater which is like i'm i'm so excited working with people who are creative especially writers um my my favorite thing in the world is when like a writer will write something and then like we'll have a table read and i say it and i and i surprise them with how good they are it's like it's it's like i watch writers go like oh like when i read it and not because like i'm like the greatest actor because like i just like i did what they did with like heart and truth and me and they're like oh wow that's really good it's yeah. like it's my favorite my favorite thing in the world i'm i'm a pleaser at heart yeah <laughs> as a writer it's cuz like you rec- you're recognizing that you got it and like sometimes you're like no one's ever going to get any of this like right. <laughs> no one's yeah, going to translate they're like, oh, somebody yeah. understood it. Amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not a writer myself. That's my like, uh, personally, I'm like, I, I have the utmost respect for those who write. I have, I have done, I've tried a little bit. Um, I get no satisfaction from it. I think I own, you know, writers talk about this kind of like, oh, it's like suffering, suffering. Like, you know, everyone's going to hate this. I hate myself. Blah, blah, blah. But then I have to imagine there's like some part you enjoy. Otherwise you wouldn't keep doing it. I never arrived at that part. Uh, you know, I never feel like, oh, I put it on the page and it's out of me. Like, I'm just, I'm here to be interpretive. I'm here to read other people's works. Um, I think that's, you know, it, the people who do it all, I'm very impressed by. 
Um, but I'm, I'm not one of those folks. Yeah. I just lowered my bar as like, if it's on the page, then it's, I'm satisfied. <laughs> Listen, that's important. Self-censorship is yeah. a terrible enemy. You know, yeah. if you did it, then it was great. You put it on the page. Yeah. That's no, that's, I mean, that's like, that's nearly the entire battle. Yeah. Agreed. So you mentioned Brian Koppelman and Dave Levine seeing you and your Evan Hansen, which you played Jared Kleiman. What are some of your favorite moments of playing that role? Because you played it. Different variations of it for, I guess, three years, four years. Is that right? Yeah, I did it. Um, so I, you know, my sort of roadmap with the show was I auditioned for uh, the 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 twenty nine hour reading, the, you know, the table read of the untitled Pasek Paul Levinson musical. Um, and it was, you know, at that time, it was like three and a half hours long. It was like this big satirical, like musical about social media. And it was like making fun of like how we all like co-opt other people's tragedies. Um, and I did, I, I did all of the development after that. So I did that reading. Um, we did a couple of, we did another reading and a workshop all before we went down to Washington DC and we did a run down there then we did it off Broadway and then I did it on Broadway for almost two years. And so all, all told, it was like a four year process. Um, and I, yeah, I did, I, I did it all with the show and it was, um, it was incredible. I mean, you know, like I, in terms of like favorite moments, I think, you know, sometimes I get asked that question. People were like favorite moments, like during the show. And I'm like, ah, oh, the show, like the, during the show is great. But like, I love the getting to the show. Like some people hate rehearsal. Like I love rehearsal. I think rehearsal is great. If someone told me like, I could just live the rest of my life, just being in rehearsal forever. I'd be like, awesome let's do it maybe i should be a director i guess directors get to leave after rehearsal's over so maybe i should be a director uh but i, I love rehearsal rehearsal's the best um and what was so exciting for me about that you know for me personally is you know when when i first got the script and i first got the role of jared kleinman uh it, w it was like tons of stuff uh, and as time went on, like the stuff that I could land, you know, the stuff that I got, as you were saying, David, like that stuff stayed in the script. The stuff that I didn't get went away. It was perfectly good stuff. It just like didn't work on me. And then like more stuff got added in that was more to my, uh, you know, more to my sentiment. Um, and, and so it was really exciting by the time that I left the show, so much of myself was in that character um and you know and you really develop like you really you really get close with the people that you go through that kind of process with i mean you know it's like it's like we really went through a huge challenging long thing together i mean i did the show over those four years i did i did just about 800 performances um which is a lot <laughs> that's a lot of times to do a show it's yeah. maybe too many it's it was certainly like right at the line by the time that i was leaving i was like i've been here too long um and i i you know again i have respect for you know some of these people have been doing phantom or that production of chicago for like 15 20 years and that's like amazing to me i would lose my mind i would absolutely i would go nuts I would quit acting. I would quit life. I would go move out up to the mountains or something. It, it would truly like it would it would turn my brain to mush. Um, yeah, you're talking, especially if you're talking about like eight shows a week. It's a lot like, of work. Just that's a grind. Yeah, it is yeah. a lot of work. A lot of um, but people don't. But yeah, realize. I mean, you know, it, it was an incredible it was an incredible process to be a part of. I got to you know I got to like do a lot of cool stuff and meet a lot of cool people. I mentioned Beyonce before I met Beyonce 
You know, like I, I, it's that was like that kind of those kind of perks were really, really fun. Um, but it was also fun to get, you know, like I was describing my experience of like the role being sort of shaped around me. And that happened for each of the eight actors who were in the show, um, which was really, really cool to watch the the creative team and the actors sort of like chase each other until you had this sort of like very polished, very tight product. Um, I think Michael Greif, who's the director, uh, is just like a genius the man is just he understands how to construct things he has this incredible ability when like everyone is like bogged down in like tiny minutiae and like oh if we change this word the whole show changes and he's like he manages to like sit down every night and watch the show as if he's never seen it before and like really get inside the reaction of an audience and what's going on in a room and like what what the larger piece needs, you know, what the entire show needs to make individual moments work. Um, he's an absolute genius of pacing and construction in that way. Um, so I mean, like working with him was was perhaps the, the number one highlight. And he remains a dear friend, but he's really that dude is the real deal. So, well, before we get into our, our game, what we do at Mega Roles, what we do have to ask you was like, what mm -hmm. is the dream role for you? Oh, I have a corny answer and then I have a few runner ups. Let's do it. So my number one true corny answer is my dream role has not yet been written, <laughs> uh, which is very corny, but it's very true. It's very like, uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked so much about how I love working with writers and creatives and developing things. Um, and I have no doubt that the role that will be the highlight of my career uh, is something that has not yet been put on the page. Uh, I, I just I, lo I love that process so, so much. But some runners up. Uh, I love um, I love 1776, the the old musical about the birth of America. Um, I think that the way that uh, the character of John Adams is written in that show is like so awesome. I can't wait to be in my mid forties and have a little paunch and like and play that guy. Maybe my hair will be thinning at that point. No one knows. Um, and you know, I I I I think that character, the way that he's portrayed there's a great movie if you haven't seen it the 1776 movie is an absolute blast it is so much fun i would love to do a production of that um i would love to play like a like a wiry spooky little sweeney todd at some point in my life um i'm a real i'm a real sucker for i i know that uh sondheim can be divisive people are like people are like ah sondheim's overrated or sondheim's the greatest of all time like i i just love those roles i think you know I, I think my favorite shows to sit and watch are Kander and Ebb shows, but my favorite shows to like read and perform are, are Sondheim shows. So selfishly, I would love to play Sweeney Todd. I'm trying to think, are there any others? Nah, those are the big ones. Yeah, it's Sweeney Todd and John Adams. Those are both like, I got 20 years before I can play any of those. Yeah. So so hopefully something comes along in the meanwhile. <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> but in the classical canon, like all the young roles suck. It's like all the all the old men are the, are the best in those in those old shows. Like there's the there's like the boring young lovers. They're boring. They're all the same. And then there's like and then there's the other two, like the comedy pair. And like I'm always like that guy, the like you know the Will in Oklahoma, uh, which is like you know that's like a, that's like a great role, but I'm not like I'm not like dying to do that. It's really good. You know what I mean? Like I'd be happy to do it somewhere, but I don't like lay at night being like someday I'll play Will Parker. You know, like it just doesn't it doesn't get me going in the same way. Uh, but you know what? I take it back. I, uh, well, but again, he's a little bit older. But but I wouldn't mind playing uh, Nathan Detroit uh, in Guys and Dolls. That would that would be fun. Go. 
Yeah, that's there's a there's a good one. Yes. Those are all uh those are all great choices. Or or how to <laughs> succeed. You know what? We should do how to succeed. We it's time for a how to succeed revival. It's been ten years. Someone cast me as J. Pierpont Finch. <laughs> oh, we're parade, parade. The parade. I would love to play Leo Frank. I want to play Leo Frank. So any Broadway producers that are listening. Anyone right who's now, listening. Yeah. Anyone who's yeah. listening. <laughs> come on. Let's do parade and let's do how to succeed in business without really trying. Let's do it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, let's get into it. Let's get into our game. So here, Will, on the game World time. podcast, we try to take two things that similarly have nothing to do with each other and we match them up. So for your episode, we're doing musicals and cocktails. Two things I know you really, really like and two things I actually I do. love as well. And um, mm-hmm. round robin, so I start off first, David goes second, you being our distinguished guest, you're going to go third, Reese going to do five, and I'm going to start off with uh, probably one of my favorite musicals. Now, for me, like all the musicals I chose are were, were based on films, so I don't know if you guys did the same thing, but that's what I did. And my favorite musical of all time is The Sound of Music. Uh, shout out to the Baroness, who didn't stand a chance against Maria. I was just like, well, what are we talking about here? Uh, to me, like 16 going on 17 is a tremendous t- tune. Government is tremendous. And Ed Advice is also incredible. So, so I'm going to compare my favorite musical to my, I'm going to compare it to my favorite cocktail, which is the Manhattan. Dave. But why? Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's just unbeatable. It's, like a, it's, it's one thing, it's just, it delivers on so many levels and it's just so mm-hmm. good. Like I actually watched it probably like a month ago. Just for yeah. shits and giggles, it's like I'm, it's like I'm put on the side of the music just to have fun. And the Manhattan is the exact same thing; it delivers on so many levels, and, and it's always good. Sweet. I was going to ask you if you're okay. If you just watched it like a month ago. I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, I was like, fuck it, let's put that on. It's on Disney Plus. Shout out to Disney Plus. Awesome. Um, all right. My first one is uh, pretty obscure. I'm going with a weird one because for me, musicals are something that I kind of got into later. Like I, I liked theater. I did theater in, in high school and college, but, but not really musical theater. Um, and like I said, I kind of, I kind of liked the weird ones, the, the, because I had this idea of like what a musical was based on, you know, a lot of the stuff you were talking about Sondheim and, and all of these like very well-defined uh, types and I was kind of like looking for something else. Um, but that's why my first one is this weird musical called Shock-Headed Peter. Um, it's based on a German folk tale called like Strumpelpetter. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Um, but it was incredible. I, I I really can't explain how weird it was. It's like, it's like, it's like if Lewis Carroll did more drugs um, <laughs> and was German and weird and dark, like sinister, more sinister. Um, but the music is is really great. The costumes are are wild, but it's very, like I said, it's very specific. It's very weird. I think it was just this small theater company. I just, my mom took it. My mom took me to it in Chicago when I was like 17. And it was one of those things that just like, I had no expectations for whatsoever. And it blew my mind, which is why as a cocktail, it's a non-traditional mixed drink with two base spirits. That's very specific of Vucare, which is a New Orleans drink. That is a delicious drink with cognac, rye whiskey, uh, sweet vermouth, Benedictine, and bitters. And 
just like this weird German musical, it will fuck you up. <laughs> fuck you up. So yeah, that's my first one. Shockheaded Peter and Vukare. Excellent. I uh, I confess that I that I I only prepped one of these, so the other ones I'm going to do on the fly. I'm going to let my let my improv brain do its thing. <laughs> but the one that I was thinking about in advance was that was that was a setup in case of my other ones also. <laughs> um, but uh, the 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 musical I want to talk about is the producers. The producers is also a movie adaptation, a movie made into a musical, made back into a movie musical. Um, and so it's you know it's a, it's an all time classic. Like you say, the producers and everybody has like a, you know something comes to mind. They picture some iconic scene. They start humming "Springtime for Hitler." You know, they, everybody's got an association with it. Um, but I was listening to it just the other day, and uh, in our contemporary moment, it has not aged well. I was like, holy moly. I was I know it was right after 9-11, and everyone was in shock. But, like, the, some of the stuff on that album, I was like, oh, it just, like, bleh, knocked me back. And so I'm going to compare it to uh, a really old Scotch whiskey. Um, probably served neat. Maybe with a little like a uh, little eyedropper and a glass of water on the sides because you feel classy while you're drinking it, but really you're just trying to get fucking drunk. <laughs> um, and I think the producers uh, absolutely delivers uh, on that that sort of old white guy charm that really made you smile once, but by the end you're like, oh, was that a was that a mistake? Um, <laughs> Still the most Tony-winning musical of all time. And uh, also, like, I, uh, of course I want to play, uh, what, what's his face? Bloom. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. Not having... <laughs> Although I'm more having... of a Max, but again, I'm I'm not 50 <laughs> yet, so... Yeah, yeah, you got some time. Yeah, but uh, not surprised. I haven't listened to that or seen it in a few in years. And Oh, man. It's... I'm not surprised to hear that that's how it doesn't hold up. But still fun. Yeah, but still fun. Oh, a blast. Yeah. George. All right, my next one is a musical that premiered on Broadway in 1961 and uh, became a movie a few years later, nominated for 11 Academy Awards. And uh, these are some of the highlights for me as far as songs. Is uh, The Jet song is awesome. Rhea is awesome. America is awesome. And Somewhere Off the Top Rope is also fucking dope. And I'm talking about West Side Story, which is now going to be a movie directed by Spielberg in a few months. And uh, oddly enough, as odd as I think that is, I'm still going to go fucking see that because that's how great it is. Um, and the cocktail I'm going to compare it to is actually a newer cocktail, but it also delivers on so many levels. And that is the penicillin. So West Side Story is the penicillin of cocktails. A new classic? New classic. Nice. <laughs> it's a great drink. I... I have a really good feeling about that West Side Story movie. My good friend Mike Feist, who was in Dear Van Hansen with me, is playing Riff. We got a lot of updates while they were making it. I think it's going to knock everybody's socks off. I think it's, uh, you know, people, I think the only argument against that movie is like, it's a classic. Why would you remake it? And it's like, I think they're, I think they did it the right way. I think it's going to rock. No one has seen it yet. I mean, even I was talking to him. He hasn't seen it yet. Um, But I think it's going to, I think it's going to kick ass. Right on. Awesome. You heard it here. (laughs) um all right my next one so (laughs) my next one is one that has already been it's something that's already been mentioned uh a little bit ago and it's it's the one for me that is extremely popular it's maybe the most popular musical ever uh but it's just not for me i didn't get it as a kid when i was a kid or or what whatever time that it would have maybe gotten me um 
but and that's cats. <gasps> that's cat cats. Will I know? Uh, I know. I I did this before. I knew that your favorite musical or like what got you into musicals was cats. I'll just but have to also, give you my cats spiel. It's all right. But first, continue <laughs> but, your drink. But it makes sense because like you, it it. If I would have seen it when I was a child, I probably would have felt much differently. But but like I said, it just. It's it just not really for me. And what I feel about it is that there's just a lot going on. There's so much going on and I don't really understand any of it. <laughs> um, and I don't really understand like all of the appeal, <laughs> which is why as a cocktail, it's a Long Island iced tea. Because it's like a lot of shit going on and people will <laughs> fucking order as long as liquor is sold, as long as liquor is drank. It, people will order Long Island iced teas. <laughs> um, it is every clear liquor and triple sec and Coke. Uh, if you, if that doesn't sound good to you, I think that that means you're normal. Um, but a lot of people love it. A lot of fucking people love it. So yeah, that's why it's cats. Long Island iced tea. I got to give you my cat. I got to give you my cats spiel yes. really quick. Yes. So here's the Definitely. thing about cats. I think cats suffers from uh, not being able to live up to its expectations. I think Cats was such a massive success. People are like, oh, Cats is the greatest musical of all time. It's why it ran for a million years. It is none of those things. What Cats is, is, first of all, I think people go to the theater, they think they're going to see Death of a Salesman, but they're seeing Cats. And like, and that's your first, like, oh, they're like, oh, there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on here. It's going you know, to be a lot of like pathos. So it's like, no, 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 no. Cats is, Cats is very, the plot, people are like, it has no plot. I'm like, it is a very fucking simple plot. <laughs> One of these cats is going to cat heaven and they're going to have a talent show to decide who's going to cat heaven. That's a simple plot. It is a meditation on aging and youth. It is a meditation on what does it mean to live a full life. Um, and it is, if you take it at its face value, which is that it is a masterclass in songwriting, it is, you're going to love it. You're going to have a total blast because it's basically, you're watching the cats do their talent show. It's a show within a show. And so, and like Andrew Lloyd Webber literally took a book of poems that were mostly limericks. They were like, and this was a big fat cat. And they went and he <laughs> sat on a hat. And like, <laughs> that's what he took. A book of, frankly, I mean, it was T.S. Eliot. They were like good poems, but they're, it's a book of limericks. Um, and then wrote like some melodies that are like, the rum tum tugger is a curious cat. Like, it's an amazing, it is triumph of songwriting. Fix yourself a Long Island iced tea. Put on the cat's original cast recording. Treat yourself. <laughs> you know, you know what I like just seeing you do that. Like I will guarantee you I would love if you just did it as a one man. I got to do director's commentary. <laughs> That's what I got to do. They should have hired me to do the director's commentary and be like, okay. look at what this this pervert put on stage. <laughs> I mean, you, that was very convincing. Thank you. Great. I, I love that show. I, I love that show. And uh, it, it gets slandered every day. I, I want to say too, that that's, that's especially impressive. Cause I don't know. I don't know if we're all around the same age. Well, but that was a big one for me too. Like, and then going to theater school, I just have to ask all of you one thing. Are you blind when you're born? Can you see you in the dark? Okay, sorry. That's all I had to. That's what I had to offer. Listen, if you were and you are, you're a jellical cat. That's, that's just right. all there is. Jellical songs for jellical cats. Cocktails for musicals. This is perfect. This is what it's we're doing? Internet. Yeah, we should all we should all have jellical songs. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna say I'm I'm now scrolling through a list of musicals and I'm gonna pick one. Where is it gonna stop? 
Smokey Joe's Cafe. Smokey Joe's Cafe, original production starring my friend Michael Park, who is also in Dear Evan Hansen. Um, one of the one of the original jukebox musicals, the songs of Lieber and Stoller. Um, Smokey Joe's Cafe, because it's got smoke in the title, is a, is a mezcal margarita. It's smoky, but it's also very sweet and enjoyable. It goes down easy. You can you can bring all your friends, serve them all mezcal margaritas, and they're like, oh, I feel like I've had this before, but it's like a little different, which is a Lieber and Stoller review that is Smokey Joe's Cafe. How do you feel uh how do you feel about jukebox musicals in general? Just uh, as a quick uh, aside. It really depends. See, the thing for me is I love uh I love uh, writers. I especially love songwriters. And so the thing that I don't love about a jukebox musical is that it cuts my favorite person out of the team. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I'm like bummed out when you're like, oh, we're going to take, you know, the songbook of so-and-so and either like slap it onto like their life story or slap it onto some like objectively bad play that we wrote to like yeah. shoehorn all <laughs> these songs into it. Like that sucks. Yeah. All that being said, fucking love Jersey boys. Jersey boys is like an amazing show. So, uh, you know, so so it, it really does. It depends. It depends. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia is a ton of fun. Mamma Mia is a great show. But those guys are also musical theater writers. You know, they wrote chess. And so it's like it's a it's a complicated sort of thing. Waitress is not uh, is obviously not a jukebox musical, but like Sarah Burles has a, a big pop career, but she's a big theater nerd. So, you know, like I'm not opposed to like when you want to use a bunch of pop songs or bring in a pop writer to write your score. Um, but just don't cut out the theater writers. They're yeah. great. They're great. There people. is, uh, and they're good at what they do. Yeah. There you go. There you go. George, you are next. All right. So my next one is, uh, it's interesting because it's a, it's a musical. That I think it's good. I don't think it's great, which is what the cocktail would compare it to. And that is dream girls. And I think the reason why I think it's good and not great is because like, I love sixties girl groups in particular, Diana Ross and the Supremes shout out to Flo Ballard, who in essence is what that character is loosely based on. The songs I think are just good. They're not great because considering the source material is Motown in the 60s, it's tough to compare the two, which is why the cocktail I have for that is a Negroni. Good, but not great. Dave. You just made a lot of white guys with beards very upset by calling a Negroni good, but not great. <laughs> I was gonna say I love it. I like I like no, a bitter so drink. I'm, I'm a bitter so boy. Pistachio <laughs> white guy. I thought you were gonna say he's making the white guys upset by 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 talking shit about Dreamgirls. They'd be like, "Yeah, I oh. fucking love Dreamgirls. Fuck you, man." Dreamgirls, boy. Beyonce. She keeps coming back. As she does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, my next one is. Uh, something I saw on Broadway about the f the first year I moved here, I believe, which is about 15, 16 years ago. And it's still one of my favorite musicals. It's a blast structured kind of like a traditional musical, but in theme, not traditional at all. And that's Avenue Q Avenue Q um, hilarious and fun, but also really well-written and like kind of prescient in a lot of ways, like, you know, ahead of its time, um, which is why as a cocktail, it's a honey sour, which is just, it could be, you know, if you do it with gin, it's called the bee's knees. If you do it with bourbon, it's a gold rush. You could do it with almost any spirit, just honey and either lemon or lime and the spirit and shake it up, pour it over rocks or, or neat or, or up, sorry. And it's delicious. Just like Avenue Q still funny to this day. Excellent. Agreed. 
I love Avenue Q. Avenue yeah. Q is one, one of my favorites. So much fun. All right, I'm going to scroll through this list again. Oh, yes, beautiful. Okay. Um, the musical I'm going to talk about is Chicago. Uh, all-time classic, one of the absolute greatest scores ever written. Um, John Kander and Fred Ebb cannot be beat. Uh, if you think you know somebody who writes better songs than Kander and Ebb, you, uh, you're wrong. You're just completely wrong. Um, and you should just go back and listen to some Kander and Ebb songs again and refresh yourself and be like, oh, right, I was wrong about this. This is actually the perfect, this is the perfect uh, ingredients here. The shows are not always perfect. The shows are always kind of busted, actually. Um, but the ingredients are are absolutely perfect. Uh, they are simple, but invite an incredible degree of complexity. Um, and so uh, some simple ingredients where you can get a lot of flavor going on. I'm going to call it an old fashioned. I'm going to say, you know, oh. you can take you can make an old fashioned into a lot of things. It's very simple, very simple thing to make, but uh, uh, people are like, this is the best old-fashioned I've ever had. And they really mean it. Like, you can really have a good and a bad old-fashioned. And so, to me, an old-fashioned is a Kander and Ebb musical. Some of them are great. Some of them are like, eh, not so great, but the ingredients are always exceptional. Yeah. Yes, the implementation of the ingredients. Correct. Right. Varies. Plenty of yeah. bad productions of Kander and Ebb shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plenty of bad bartenders. Uh, George. <laughs> so, this is a... Know your roles first. This has never happened on this show. Now, usually on the fly, I'll just change it. But the, the fact that you killed your number four and that was my number four and that was my number four cocktail, I'm just going to go, you know what? Well, shout out to Will for getting it done. Chicago, I also have that and the old fashioned. So let's go. <laughs> Amazing. 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 Yeah, usually yeah. I'll just change it. Like, no, 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 no. He's right. Let's go. Chicago. Pull it right out of your brain. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's rare. I mean, a lot of times we'll have like people use the same like one part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Listen, we <laughs> know a whoopee spot where the gin is yeah. cold and the piano is hot. That's right. It's a noisy <laughs> hall where there's a nightly brawl and all that jazz. I'm so excited to see that show next week. God. Right on, right on. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, my next one is... One of my, probably one of my favorite musicals, if not my favorite musical of all time. I've actually never even seen it on Broadway. It's the movie that I've seen. So I'm cheating a little bit because the it was one of those things that I, I saw it a few years after it came out. And it was something that I didn't have like any, I, I was just like, okay, I didn't have any interest in it. I didn't really know what it was. And then I watched it and it turned out to be one of the most revelatory things I've ever seen. And that's Hedwig and the Angry Ants. Oh, yes. That movie, it's one of the movies, like, it just, it it really just blew my mind. It broke my mind open. And I was just like, this is so interesting. The way that they incorporate the mu the way that they use it as a film as well. And mm -hmm. like incorporate the music into the story and the story. And, and uh, John Cameron Mitchell is just incredible. Um, uh, and that's why, and, but it's, you know, it's a little bit, it's, it's definitely not, it feels very much like a familiar musical, but it also is very wild and very different. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it blew me away. That's why as a drink, it's one of my favorite drinks of all time. That's a paper plane ah. and it's not something you see everywhere, but it's not, it's not a super crazy drink, but it's got a, it's only got four ingredients, equal parts. It's bourbon, Aperol, lemon, and Amaro Nonino. 
and it's really delicious. It blends really well, but it's got like a lot of interesting notes from the, from the Aperol and the bourbon working in there. Um, and yeah, it's just great. And like I said, that also like when, as I was like getting into cocktails, that's not something I would have ever dreamed of like putting together and then being like, oh, this is so interesting and it works really well together. So Hedwig and the Angry Inch, paper plane. Excellent. Um, I've scrolled up to, uh, I've scrolled and I have found Sweet Charity. Sweet Charity, delightful show about the sex worker with a heart of gold. Uh, Miss Charity, what's her name? Charity from her? Char- I don't know. Charity. Sweet Charity. Um, I, I almost called her Charity Rosalie and I was like, incorrect. Um, <laughs> Not right. Um, but no, I uh, love Sweet Charity. Sweet Charity uh, is, is it's got one of those, like, it's got a great Cy Coleman score. Um, it's a vehicle for, like, one of the best actresses you can find. You know, you're like, who's a great dancer? Who's our Gwen Verdon today? Or our Christina Applegate, if she's yeah, around. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah, that's that's the production <laughs> I, I saw. I saw that, too. Um, but, you know, but Sweet Charity, great show. Lots of fun. Not too deep. Totally delightful. Charity Hope Valentine. Thank you, Mary Beth. Charity Hope Valentine, clearly ripping off Gypsy Rose Lee, but Charity Hope Valentine. Uh, you know, it's a show that's like, it's kind of bubbly and fun. It's like, if you wanted a mid-60s uh, equivalent to Mamma Mia, you got Sweet Charity. Um, and so I'm going to compare it to a French 75. Nice. Easy drinking at brunch, a classic. You can give them to your mother-in-law and she'll be like, this is so tasty. I've never had one of these. And then she's wasted. <laughs> Um, and she had such a nice time and everyone had a great day drinking French 75s. And that's what Sweet Charity is. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Nice. George. All right. So for my final one, I usually try to sort of, ta-da, look how clever George is. And seeing that oh. I started off with uh, Julie Andrews vehicle, I'm going to end with a Julie Andrews vehicle. In 64 and 65, she does Mary Poppins and Sound of Music back to back, the highest grossing movie each each year, that's like doing like fucking rubber soul and revolver back to back. It's fucking incredible. Uh, so I'm talking a little bit about Mary Poppins. The, the standout for me is Super Califragilisticexpialidocious, which is an incredible song. Spoonful of Sugar, which is also great, and Jolly Holiday with with Mary. So even though Dick Van Dyke is top billing, it is Julie Andrews doing all the heavy lifting in this. So for me, I'm gonna give it the Bee's Knees, which is also a fucking tremendous cocktail. Yes. Day. Agreed. It is a delicious drink. Um, Excellent. Strong finish. All right. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, my last one is I'm going with the one that I, at least in popularity wise, I do believe it's would consider it like somewhat mainstream. Uh, and it's one. It's the one that I saw when I was a kid that did get me. And I was like, oh, I I like this a lot. And it's like a little bit darker. Um, but it's still very fun. And that's Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. I love it. I love every version of it. Um, you know, that's another dream role for me, by the way. That's I would love to play Seymour. I could do it yeah, now I was, and I could do it in 10 you're years. You're right in the pocket Ooh. for it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just so great. And uh, like the stage version is is darker, you know, has a different ending, which I which I always like like that. I like, like oh, the, the ending's better when they die. <laughs> um, it I, is I, better. I was that that's kid. a better. It's better. Yeah, it is better. <laughs> it is better. Um, but yeah, it was it. Like I said, it was it was one of the things that got me into the form. Um, and that's why as a cocktail, it's an East Side cocktail, which is a gin, cucumber and mint. And when I was first bartending uh, was first bar backing rather and uh, working at a cocktail place and like 
all the bartenders at the end of the shift would make drinks for me. Like they'd make me a drink to like, you know, kind of learn how, how to make drinks and, and uh, to improve my palate. And the East side was like one of the first things that I was like, Oh, like this, like, I love this. I don't need any like training to like this. And yeah, that's how I felt about little shop of horrors. So little shop of horrors, Yum. East side cocktail. Two great closers. Um, I got a real simple one. So I've, I've truly been scrolling through the list of uh, Tony Award nominations and winners for Best Musical. And so I've just been scro- I started sort of recent. I've been scrolling up as we go. So here we are. This is the third musical to ever win the Tony Award for Best Musical. We mentioned it before. All-time classic, Guys and Dolls. And if I were to choose a drink that was equally an all-time classic, it's just got to be a gin martini. It's like, it's what they're drinking in that show. It's what you're drinking when you go to see that show. It's what you're drinking when you want to feel like you're Sky Masterson or Nathan Detroit. It's a gin martini. It's an all-time classic. Guys and Dolls is an all-time classic. Often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah, can't go wrong with a gin martini. If you're, especially if you're like wearing a suit and doing something fancy. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Playing craps in the back of a schoolhouse. Um, all right, Mary Bess, I think you, uh, you were saying that you have a comparison as well, right? Yes. As a child of community theater and a child of musical theater, I could not let this moment pass to be able to throw one in for the game today. So thanks guys. I'm going to talk about a musical that not a lot of people know, but was instrumental in every way. And that is, that is a pun. Yeah. Instrumental in every way for me growing up. And it was a 1993 musical, the protagonist is a corpse, Johnny, without an H. He's not well understood, but he does have the love of a girl named Toffee, which was my first big role as a teenager. It's called Zombie Prom, and it's so goofy and strange. And we did it in our tiny Mississippi town when I was 14 years old, and we weren't sure how it was going to be received. And it People loved it so much that we did it a second weekend. Like we would only do like this is tiny extended by popular demand. (laughs) I honestly think that was the only time that ever happened for me in community theater as a a kid who grew up a solid like 10 years in Mississippi doing it. Um, But because it's so special to me and so weird and wonderful, um, I compare it to a hurricane. Because my goodness, that drink, it will knock you off your feet. Mm-hmm. It is sweet. It is powerful. It is fun. Uh, you've really got to be in the mood for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a drink you can have every day or every time that you go to the bar. However, it is an absolute treat, which for me is a zombie prom. Nice. If you've never heard of it, if you've never heard the music, just, you know, put it on someday because memories are a little more than moments in the stream. Live the moments while you can and thank the Lord you've had your dreams. Yeah, it gives you a little. <laughs> I love that. Nice it's incredible. I know one of the zombie prom writers. I know Dana Rowe. We worked oh, my on, goodness. We worked on a, on a new musical when I was in college. Oh, that's fantastic. All world. There you go. Amazing. Yeah, and a hurricane that definitely will. Uh, it will fuck you up, especially if Oh, that'll fuck up that'll fuck Especially you if you up. get it in New Orleans when it comes in like the one foot long plastic like tube thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. George. You oh, know yeah. you're having fun. You yeah. know you're at somebody's bachelorette party. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you've been more than generous with your time. Thank you for being a 
being on our show. Uh, before we let you get out of here, uh, plug something for us. Uh. Um, I've got uh, I've got some some uh, some shows coming up fifty four below. If you're in if you're in New York and you want to catch some some cabaret, um, I'm doing the songs of a fella named Zach Zadek, who is a young musical theater writer. Um, he's also got uh, so he's he's a pop songwriter too. He recently had a had a song that uh, it didn't it didn't hit the top forty, but it was on the radio. Um, and uh, and then I'm also doing a a concert uh, called If It Only Even Runs a Minute, um, which is a collection of uh, songs from incredibly short lived musicals put on by my friend uh, Jennifer Ashley Tepper. Um, and uh, I don't know the exact dates of either of those things. But uh, look on the 54 Below website, search for my name. I'm on there. I'm singing fun tunes in both of them. One is uh, a song that Zach wrote for a possible Scott Pilgrim adaptation. So I'm singing a Scott Pilgrim song that, you know, you'll never see this production of Scott Pilgrim. So come see me do it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the other one is uh, it's, a, it's a celebration of uh, short-lived musicals that were produced and or directed by Hal Prince, the late, great Hal Prince. Um, and this is a concert that has been postponed since April of 2020. And it's finally happening in uh, at some point in mid-October. So uh, yeah, come on out. Come see that stuff. And whenever I announce the Unannounced Project, watch that on your on your televisions. You'll love it. <laughs> Awesome. And where can we find you like on social media and your website? Um, I'm, I'm at, uh, I'm at will underscore Roland on Twitter and on Instagram. I am at actually underscore will underscore Roland. I didn't know how hard underscores were to type on an iPhone when I set those because <laughs> I have an Android phone. So I didn't know it's really easy. But yeah, so I have a lot of underscores in my handles. Uh, you could search for me. I'm all over the place. Oh, I guess I'm on TV. You to watch Billions on Showtime. Sundays at nine. <laughs> what am I thinking? That's <laughs> We've got uh, season awesome. season five of Billions. The, the second half of it is airing right now. It's going to be airing for the next month. Um, and then uh, season six. I don't know this for sure. I don't actually know this. So I, I'm quoting what I read on a website. Season six, I believe, is, <laughs> is dropping in January. But like I... Like I read that on some website, so I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not like sharing insider knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah watch billions. Out. Go to the theater. Buy tickets to the shows. If there's a tour coming through your town or you can go to a Broadway show, go go support local theater, please. These artists need it. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. That was great. Thank you so much to Will Rowland. Man, that guy is an encyclopedia of uh, like theater, musical theater knowledge. Like some of those names he was throwing out. I was just like, yeah, totally. <laughs> that was nuts. It was like, wow. This around. <laughs> Definitely check out all of his info on his website, will-roland.com and his Instagram at actually underscore will underscore Roland and Twitter at will underscore Roland. Look for his upcoming shows at 54 below and watch billions Sundays on Showtime. Also featuring friend of George's Dan Soder and season two featuring my friend Aaron Ruth. <laughs> Shout out to both those people. Now we're going to move into last call where we talk about things we're looking forward to and what we got coming up. George, what do you got for us? As I mentioned in the last episode of some shows that I'm paying attention to this fall, and uh, three of them had their uh, premieres at their pilot episodes this past week. Uh, American Rust on Showtime, Scenes from a Marriage on HBO, and Impeachment on FX, all three shows that I watched this past week. All three shows that I thought were interesting for different reasons. Quickly, American Rust, I, the pilot I think is a B, but I'm going to stay with it because I love Jeff Daniels and Maury Tierney. I don't know what this show is about. 
think there's a murder. There's drug use in, in Pennsylvania. I, I, I'm going to keep paying attention to this. So I give that a B. Uh, scene from a marriage, uh, heavy with a capital H, capital E, capital A, capital V, capital Y. Uh, it is very, very good, though. And you can sort of see the chemistry and the friendship of two actors who are playing a couple on, on the show. So I give that an A. And then finally, impeachment, shout out to Sarah Paulson, who's playing Linda Tripp, unrecognizable Sarah Paulson. I give impeachment, the pilot of that, an A+. Plus. It looks awesome. It was awesome. The, I was like, let's watch that again. So so the three shows are out there, they're, they're all airing again this, this weekend, the episodes two of all three. And I'm looking forward to that. Dave. Awesome. Um, so you give uh, American Rust a B, but what do you rate the accents? Yins, I, uh, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. That I'm sorry, Western PA. Uh, I don't like that accent. That accent's it's a, it's a tough hand. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough hand. Are, are they doing it well? I, I think they're ignoring. I think some of them are ignoring it, which I actually prefer. So good. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, for me, it's only a, a couple of things uh, I'm looking at. One is we mentioned it before, but it's coming out before our next podcast, which is The Many Saints of Newark, uh, which comes out in theaters and on HBO Max on September 24th. And it's, of course, the David Chase Sopranos prequel. Alessandro Nivola is playing Dickie Moltisanti, uh, like Christopher's father. And uh, James Gandolfini's son is playing young Tony. I mean, yeah, sign me up. Um, looking forward to that. The only other thing is actually, I watched a pilot of a show. I think there's already been like three or four episodes, but I only watched the first one of one that we actually didn't mention on, on the, uh, that TV preview we did a couple weeks back, but it's, uh, why the last man on FX based on a graphic novel. Um, and Diane Lane is in it though. I like the pilot. I, I don't know like what, if I'd give it a letter grade, maybe, maybe a B plus, um, I, I was definitely interested. The plot of the that graphic novel and the show is that like all the men or all the people with y, all the creatures with Y chromosomes just like drop dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, except for like one one guy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of and Diane Lane and she's awesome and uh, yeah, it was entertaining. Very balanced. Shout out. <laughs> It was uh, it was entertaining, so I'll, I'll probably watch the next one late late uh, tonight when I'm good and uh, stoned. <laughs> um, so yeah, all right, that's gonna do it for me. Uh, now we're gonna go and check in with our favorite regular producer, Mary Bess, for MB's booth. What do you got for us today? Thanks, Dave. So the annual Met Gala was held on Monday, September 13th, and as many now know. Dozens of peaceful demonstrators protesting the violence of racial capitalism were detained outside the event. Community members were beaten and arrested by the NYPD while making a public statement about the plight of everyday New Yorkers, like food shortage, houselessness, and lack of health care. While just inside, the elite, paying $30,000 a ticket, schmoozed in millions of dollars of fashion luxury. In June of 2020, the Met released a statement in response to the murder of George Floyd, claiming they, quote, must come together as a Met community to do more to support social justice efforts in this country, end quote. We hope you'll stand with the demonstrators who continue to challenge our wealthy institutions to act on their claims to fight injustice. 
Learn more about the Movement for Black Lives and what you can do to help at m4bl.org. And in some good news, Broadway is back, baby! And it's incredibly fitting that we get to celebrate this on an episode where we've gotten to speak with a Broadway actor, the lovely Will. Some of Broadway's most beloved shows return to the stage on Tuesday, September 14th, giving masked and vaccinated audiences a long-awaited surge of endorphins and culminating in multiple standing ovations, tears, and heartfelt speeches. These were not the first shows to return. However, the collective power of staples like Wicked, The Lion King, and Hamilton signaled far and wide that although this pandemic isn't over, Broadway productions are welcoming audiences back to safely share in the magic of live theater for as long as they're able to. If you'd like to contribute to helping people in the entertainment community who are still striving to bounce back, visit the Actors Fund at actorsfund.org. You'll find this source and more information about the Movement for Black Lives in this episode's show notes. All right. Thank you so much, Mary Bess. Well said. All right, George, tell us what we got going on the show next week. Give us something to be excited about. Absolutely. For our next episode, we're going to have filmmaker and host of Adventures in Black Cinema, this amazing podcast hosted by Desmond Thorne. We're going to be talking about film scores and desserts, Dave. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, super excited about that. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this show. I want to go ahead and say thank you so much to George. Thank you to producer Mary Best. Thank you to our designer, Amanda Zeller. Thank you to Alan Tech Kid, Nate88, and Kazo Oslo for our score. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Know Your Roles wherever you get your podcasts. And everybody, please take care, be safe, and have your proof of vaccination ready, please. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, wear your mask over your fucking nose. And uh, drink more water, people. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Stay hydrated. <laughs> All right, we're out.